Hello and welcome to the 12th episode of Sociable. I'm your host, David. And I'm your host, Edgar. Today we're talking about a topic that David kept pushing for, because he's a STEM kid, um, which is AI ethics. So David, uh, let's hear your thoughts on what that is, first of all. (laughs) Okay. So before we jump into the topic, I guess we should define AI first. All right, so let me let me put you on the spot. So as a non-STEM kid, Edgar, what does AI mean to you? <laughs> okay, wait. according to Google, it's the theory and development of computer systems able to perform tasks normally requiring human intelligence. I think there's like a bunch of ways people define AI, but usually at the most general level, uh, people distinguish two aspects. One is kind of like the theoretical, another is the technological. And we'll basically be focusing on the more technological aspects today. So that's kind of, uh, we know, like the NLP stuff, CNN stuff, RNN stuff. And we'll be talking about that and how that kind of impacts society and its ethical issues. The many ethical issues, really. Okay, so I think when people think of AI ethics, they probably think of like, I think the main thought experiment is the autonomous car thing. So it's the idea that uh, self-driving cars are likely to be programmed using artificial intelligence. And every day, cars encounter a wide variety of situations in which you might need to make decisions that can cost lives. For example, do you swerve left into an old lady or do you swerve right into a barrier and kill the passenger? And... When it comes to humans, like dealing with these situations, usually any outcome can be blamed on like in the moment thinking. So there's not like the idea of blame is less emphasized when it's a human at the wheel. But in the case of self-driving cars, it's a lot more interesting because then the car needs to be programmed with a certain kind of behavior that it will like carry out in those situations meaning then there is actually like a programmer sitting behind the screen that had programmed that behavior far in advance. So then it becomes something that requires forethought. It's not just like an in-the-moment panicked decision. So given that, AI ethics becomes very relevant when we're talking about self-driving cars and how they should be programmed to behave. Yeah, for sure. And especially given the way AI works, oh, we should probably introduce that first, sorry. So the the way AI works in general is that essentially it works on a very big data set. That's the fundamental uh, nature of AI in that it takes in a lot of existing data and then it runs through a magic algorithm and then it uses that data to you know forecast future decisions. For example, say I want to distinguish bees from the letter threes. So like images of bees from images of threes. So I would feed in like a huge data set of, um, Sorry. no, it's all good, <laughs> images of bees labeled so, and then images of threes labeled so, and then use that as a testing data set where, oh, sorry, the training data set where you would train the AI by adjusting like very small dials and knobs in the algorithm until it can accurately predict bees and threes without, in the future without much mistakes. So that's basically how AI works. And in this scenario where you have this very, you know, very awkward situation where both outcomes is kind of a failure, right? You're going to run into like, I think, a kid or like an old person. 
<laughs> I mean, you don't really have past data that's necessary necessarily correct for this. So this doesn't run on like typical AI kind of grounds. So this is where the human usually has to intervene. So it's very difficult for programmers to program AI to kind of find the correct scenario for this. Yeah, because I think there was this study carried out basically on the confidence, uh, basically on like how confident people are in self-driving technology. So I think, so like a bunch of people were gathered and researchers asked them like, in this scenario, what should the self-driving car do? And they gave them a bunch of scenarios where it was like choice between an old lady and a young kid, choice between like the passengers' lives and pedestrians' lives. And in the vast majority of cases, the people in the study said that the car should sacrifice the passengers' lives to save the lives of pedestrians, which seems like, I guess that's understandable. It's an intuitive response because like, if you're like, as a regular person, you probably don't want to be worried that every self-driving car near you might target you specifically to save the lives of its passengers. So they opted to save the lives of the pedestrians instead. But then when these people were offered a chance to ride in a self-driving car and they were asked whether they would get in knowing that the car would sacrifice the passengers' lives to save pedestrians, the vast majority of them said no because like, it would have put them at odds with the choice they just made before. So people's... Okay, the point of this tangent is like, people's thoughts on self-driving cars and their behaviors are very much not set in stone. There's a lot that we still don't know. So a lot of these are still like hypothetical. Yeah, I mean, it oh, checks out, right? Like nobody wants you know to that, You know that website, um, Moral Machine? No. Oh, I think I do. It's like, it's basically the thing, the study I said before. So it gives you like a bunch of different pictures and you can choose what you think the car should do. And then at the end, it tells oh. you whether, it tells you no, like the, your yeah. preferences. So at the end, it says like, you killed 10 old ladies versus five, um, I don't know, young kids. Yeah, it's I've been on this one. I just looked it up and the link was like purple. Yeah, I remember this. I think I was, yeah. But what was I going to say? Wait, I had something interesting to say. Oh, yeah, people not dying, right. So I think, like, if you think about it, if even if you replace, like, the AI self-driving car with just, you know, a normal car, in that kind of thought experiment, someone has to die, right? Yeah. So even with a self-driving car, the outcome's going to be the same in terms of human, like, cost of human life. So really, it's not mm. something that's, um, typically taken into like that heavy consideration because accidents happening mm -hmm. are kind of a given, right? But I mean, AI, it feels like it's kind maybe, of on purpose. Even okay, maybe if you're judging on like basis of lives taken, so one life versus one life, then you could say that it's equal. But like that, it's oh that only works in a vacuum. Basically, if you were actually programming it you would need to program the car to make a certain decision. So that decision might be just like drive forward and kill the passengers. But point is you need to make a decision. 
So you need to program it to turn left or turn right. So you still need to program, like, you still need to make that choice. Even if you think both outcomes are the same, there's still a very tough dilemma in terms of when you're actually programming that artificial intelligence. I mean, with AI, you're not exactly making like a rule-based bot to do it. You're just feeding in lots and lots of data. So I guess it depends on how you like weight what node or like what kind of data you feed into the big bag, big black oh, yeah, batch box. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I think there was this, okay, maybe straying a bit, but there's this really interesting um, like moral dilemma I saw as well, which is like, say you're in a car. I don't know if it's a self-driving car or, but so there's a truck in front of you and then the load from the truck suddenly falls and it's about to crush you unless you turn to the left and turn to the right. So on your left, there's a motorcyclist who has a helmet on. On your right, there's a motorcyclist who does not have his helmet on. So because one of them is wearing a helmet, if you turn and crash into that motorcyclist, he will suffer like injuries, but he won't die. And if you swerve into the motorcyclist who doesn't have a helmet on, then he will certainly die. And the question becomes like, who do you choose? Yeah, I mean, that's that's like the famous question, right? Like on one hand, you, you would be um, punishing someone for doing something right, which is, you know, wearing a helmet. But on the other side, you'd be risking basically killing someone for not wearing a helmet while, you know, respecting the guy's choice to do like wear a helmet. I guess that's kind of the most logical choice. Like you would kind of calculate which outcome is likely to be more fatal. Um, but I... I'm honestly not sure if that's even possible Like at this point in time, like if our technology is good enough. There's actually uh, like a safety rating called um, society by like the Society of Automotive Engineers, which goes up from 0 to 5. And essentially uh, what we're at is SAE2, which is partial automation. Basically the AI you know, helps in driving, which is like steering, accelerating, stopping. But basically the human is the supervisor whereas you know five would be like full automation which we just have not uh reached at all yet nerd no i just i just searched this up like i'm not gonna lie to you (laughs) okay i think i've said the word self-driving too many times in so like can we move on to another example Uh, of artificial intelligence yeah yeah, sure we're we're milking this too much um i guess another big thing is like oh bias in ai right like for example, if you're if you're um, hiring people and you want to select who you're gonna like interview, and you run an AI program on that, then you see biases like um, it favors men because maybe higher wages, or or maybe discriminates people from ethnic minorities because like inherently there are just less of those people in the workplace. So statistically, like there are less successful people from ethnic minorities. For example. And then I think the this AI. is where that data set thing that you said comes into play, right? Yeah. Because, okay, like, in the example of AI um, in the judiciary system, uh, in the judicial system, sorry, like, when they're deciding the outcome of a trial, if someone is guilty or not guilty, if you feed in data sets, those data sets came from human results. So the data sets were decided by human judges, they were decided by human juries. So those data sets also then have 
some embedded bias within them. So if, as is probably true, if the criminal justice system like, is systematically discriminatory towards minorities, then that bias is also present in those data sets, meaning that in those data sets, like, people who are Black are probably convicted at a disproportionate rate compared to defendants who are white. And then if you feed that data set into the artificial intelligence, the conclusions that it might draw will then be premised upon those like discriminatory and flawed data sets. So it might continue to perpetuate that kind of like um, like disproportionate outcomes. Exactly. And speaking of like AI and law, we firstly need to get AI to a point where it's equal to or better than judges in terms of like accuracy, right? But then that in itself is like harder to, it's like pretty difficult to judge because we can have training data, testing data, whatever. But at the end of the day, you'll be dealing with new novel data, right? like cases that might not even hap have happened before. And then in those cases, AI just kind of, it doesn't break down because that's you know what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to handle new examples. But if it's something that, if it's a pattern that it's just never seen before, then AI just does not work at all. So we either have to have, you know, like a human supervisor, in which case AI is kind of useless and it's just another source of bias, or just completely rely on AI, which even if it's accurate, people's reactions from it, like the general populace, might not exactly be positive. Like yeah. I wouldn't want a robot judging me if I if I theoretically committed a crime, you know. Yeah, like I think AI in the judicial system is I think that's actually a really good example of both of those things because okay, the first thing you said was um, oh, like relying on human supervisors. So there have actually been proposals in some countries for uh, judges to be replaced by AI, but then the mediating response from the opposition is like, okay, we're going to have AI as long as they're supervised by human judges. But then obviously the question is like, then what's the point of having the AI in the first place? If at the end of the day, it takes longer to like produce the result and then to have a human check over the result and verify it, then there's no point in having the AI there. Or like the second thing you said about like the reaction from the populace is in the criminal justice system specifically, having trust from the low having trust from like the populace that the criminal justice system is like fair and just is really critical for the justice system to even function. So if installing AI loses that critical amount of trust then it means that people are less likely to like cooperate with law enforcement it means they're less likely to like i don't know, give testimony at trials they're less likely to accept the outcomes of certain trials as well so at the end of the day the harms might not the harms might outweigh the pros yeah i mean okay ai on that side might be largely negative but another use for AI in the court of law is actually just running over legal documents. So, for example, if, if a client submits you know, a bunch of legal documents, if you're a lawyer, you have to read over them. Um, it's actually, it would be a pragmatic use of AI to run maybe like NLP over the document to kind of get a very simplified version of it. And I think even if you have, you know, perhaps like small mistakes, because that's kind of the nature of AI, you're going to have that with a human anyway. And it's not that much a detrimental decision as, you know, you are sentenced to life in prison or whatever. Yeah, for sure. 
I think, yeah, like in terms of efficiency, there's definitely a very strong argument to be made in terms of AI being more efficient because it's not just about, okay, it is about saving time, but specifically in the criminal justice system, there's a huge problem of inefficiency. Like there's a huge problem of a backlog of cases. That's why you hear about those like horror stories where someone gets um, arrested, but then they need to wait for almost a full year for their trial because there's just such a massive backlog. So in those cases, installing AI simply to save time can actually mean that like justice gets meted out more often or in less extreme cases, it just means like people save more time and they can get on with their lives. Yeah. No, definitely. But it's not exactly quantifiable if you want to weigh uh, like time save, which is, you know, uh, like a prerequisite to more trials done and more people again saving time versus people getting like maybe like falsely convicted or something. So mm-hmm. like a lot of AI things I feel like are just up in the air. It's kind of like how the populace accepts it. What At what point it's really good enough i think a good enough point is that's widely accepted as better or equal to a human right but even that is kind mm-hmm. of hard to compare frank frankly even if it was proven that it would save a lot of time i don't think i don't think people in the cgs would like readily accept having more technology or more ai present in their trials because it's very big on tradition and the human aspect of it. I think there's one quote or there's one argument made, which is like, there are certain elements when you're convicting a criminal, so mitigating factors or aggravating factors, like how much remorse they displayed while they were on the stand or whether you think they did it out of malice. And a lot of those things can't be tracked with variables or constants that you input into an algorithm a lot of it is just based on like human perception like when you look at them do you think they look remorseful and in those cases then maybe a human element is necessary do you think that's true i I think i actually like completely disagree with you on that because i think for example dictating emotion is like one of the simplest things an ai can do like it can pick up on specific like how you're standing how you're leaning like the patterns on your face how you know how maybe how are how you're frowning i feel like those um, more rudimentary tasks are definitely ai tasks that it can do probably a lot more efficiently than humans because those things like you have so much data on it already and it's not like people are going to change how they're going to look sad in like the next 10 years you know what i mean is that true? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually really interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. I would have thought, like, the way people phrase things, uh, like, you can see a sentence, you can see a sentence, like, in many different ways that convey different emotions. I would have thought that's the kind of thing that only a human with emotions and, like, a greater sense of perception would be able to detect rather than an ai but maybe i'm mistaken yeah i mean it would have it would definitely have to be like a lot of different variables like if you're not just doing expression and more like 
how they're speaking it'd have to be i don't know i'm not an expert in this Bro, but like, a lot of different things my phones my phone can't even recognize my face if i'm tired in the morning okay <laughs> i don't know how advanced it would have to be to detect that yeah i mean like face id or something is like a different technology than like ai right okay i guess okay anyway but i guess um if we're looking at ai and maybe some like potential benefits it's having on society obviously the first thing that comes to mind is like covid19 or like instead of researchers having to crunch like insane amounts of data to find a vaccine ai can do that you have um don't they you know folding at home right they already do that right yeah exactly okay yeah so you you have things like folding at home where you can uh you can basically donate your computing power to uh yeah to help the cause and you know developing a COVID 19 vaccine that was very big like last year but then again you have have privacy concerns data protection like viruses tracking you want to move on to you want to move on to like the topic of privacy then in sure. ai ethics sure hmm. wait can you elaborate what you mean because i thought privacy was like i don't know what counts under ai ethics and what doesn't so can you just like clarify sure i mean ai ethics is really just like a very big umbrella term describe like basically like the moral integrity that one must consider when you're dealing with ai like kind of some integral principles or values i'm just using at this point i'm just like naming synonyms for ethics but it's it's like a very broad field and privacy definitely counts under it like an example would be for example i guess surveillance is a big thing right like would you want the government you know recognizing where you are all the time every day just to be like oh you you are near a potential you know like a criminal someone who has a criminal background is that is that ai ethics I, yeah like for example more just yeah like, like surveillance is tech AI. ethics i mean a lot of surveillance is ai driven okay fair what do you think about um, surveillance let's say i mean it kind of i guess ai like this kind of identification and tracking is kind of on a different level than our just our phones but i think it's already quite prominent anyway like i offer they already up, do they already do yeah it. i offer up my data <laughs> to the google gods every day and i know like they make excuses like on a tangent it's kind of funny like how different tech companies kind of appeal to the mass public about how they steal data like apple says no we never do it google says like oh we take your data make it better and then facebook is just out there doing facebook things like and then yeah i think personally i am relatively fine with like essentially donating my data to these big companies i try not to when i can but it's basically way too ubiquitous to the point where you can't avoid it if we're using whatsapp your data is already kind of getting stolen and i don't want to stop using whatsapp just for that cost so yeah i'm i think okay when most people are faced with the idea of like okay surveillance can stop crimes or it can 
help us solve crimes to a far greater extent than ever possible, then most people instinctively might think it's... Might, most people probably recognize the good that it can do, but it still just feels wrong. Or it, yeah. it's definitely very unsettling to think about the fact that it would be on 24-7, it would be seeing you. Like, there's an FBI agent in your camera or whatever. Mm. And it definitely feels very unsettling. But it's in a way that most people maybe can't rationalize or maybe can't explain properly. Because uh, even think... though they have nothing actually to hide, it's yeah. still just clearly wrong. And it I feels mean, so. But it's, it's kind not of for just an like... easily explainable reason. I think it's, like, just this is a tangent again, but it's it's like a basic human right like in the same sense for example like freedom is it's just very inherent and innate to a person i feel like anyway um like we've talked about the problems like discrimination unfairness inaccuracies like biases already so i'll kind of gloss over that obviously people can be misidentified uh there's profiling but also another problem is how opaque a lot of uh, companies can be and how secret they can of these like AI profiles. So even the designers of the like algorithm don't really know what's going on. And this makes it kind of impossible to challenge the outcomes. You, you can't be like, oh, the AI um, found this, 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 and this, and this is why it produced X, Y, and Z. Because you don't really know what's going on in the AI black box. So yeah, that's kind of, if you have an AI oh, yeah, that's the thing. accidentally profiling you as like a bank robber, I don't know. Yeah, like if the AI makes a mistake or if it produces an undesired outcome, it's hard to place, it's hard to pin the blame on a specific person. Like, who do you blame? Maybe, like, you could try to say it's the designer's fault, but at the end of the day, the point of AI is that it's able to think at least partially without human interference. So to just say that like, oh, it's the programmer's fault or it's the designer's fault is probably not entirely accurate either. They couldn't have predicted the result because that's the point of AI. Right. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, it really comes down to having like an international body or like a framework. Okay. This actually, okay, this actually brings me on to something else I want to say, which is AI in um in the military or like spot if that was autonomous what's it called it's called autonomous killing robots i think wait let me find the definition the name sounds it sounds like a sci-fi film but i think that's the actual name a lethal autonomous weapons never mind so the idea of like removing the human component to war these instead of sending soldiers you're yeah sending... i mean i mean we shouldn't even be having wars in the first place but anyway do do go on yeah yeah so okay basically the main crux of it is you are potentially removing like come death of combatants because there won't be any actual humans fighting um but the question is like a is there a certain is there a certain risk to it for example like um 
in the instance that a lethal autonomous weapon system makes a mistake, then the risk is obviously massive. But then we can't, but then it's like we can't ever use it if there's a tiny bit of risk involved. And also, does this removing of the human component mean that people will feel more yeah, distance mean, to, to war? So they're question, more okay with like, it happening? Even with AI and autonomous cars, it's, it's not exactly great. But at the same time, you know, people driving isn't exactly great. Like, driving is um, the most dangerous, like, uh, vehicle or form of transport, sorry, you can take, right? Even, like, comparatively, planes are really safe, surprisingly. But I think at the end of the day, like, soldiers will miss, will make mistakes as well. You know, um, people directing the war effort will make mistakes as well. AI will make mistakes as well. I think it's kind of the same thing, but the really big problem lies where, as you said, um, it kind of makes people very indifferent, apathetic to war, because then it's just war robots, as you said, you know, transformers just beating each other up, right? And shooting each other down. Like, okay, I actually didn't mean in terms of, like, individual soldiers oh. on the ground making mistakes. I meant more in terms of, like, weapon systems, okay, like a nuclear like, system a being like operated that, like by WMDs, some level never, of artificial intelligence. In my opinion, that should never be automated. It, yeah. Okay, let's, okay, let's not even say like nuclear systems but even on a small scale involving ai it might be a tiny tiny risk but if right, the but outcome is so tiny, harmful tiny. Like it's a, it's then any risk is unacceptable oh okay no i mean in terms of probability yeah, it might I mean, be small i think but like the a outcome big risk with yeah. a small probability is is the same as a small risk with a big problem actually no i disagree yeah like a small risk with big probability. You just said the same thing twice. Like a big risk with small probability. Right, I mean, what? not not risk. Sorry, like potential of like destruction. At the end of the day, they're both like big risks, <laughs> Wait, oh. right? Because it balances out. <laughs> yeah, I think I think definitely yeah. like obviously as technology advances more and more, and AI, like it'll get introduced into the uh, military field a lot more because then it's very easy for drone strikes to do their thing like they can just fly over and just identify wow um like weapon silo or like wow uh airplane i don't know like a landing track or whatever it's called like a landing strip yeah i don't think like promoting think war in itself be, is going to be i mean beneficial i guess it's inevitable because new technology gets you're not you're not necessarily promoting war like saying replacing human combatants with i think yeah um, like if you're not if you're saying purely for defense systems. reasons which i assume you are then yeah because you know people can do a lot people can be more productive the government can spend less actually robots might be a bit more expensive than people i don't know actually but at the end of the day people are people can be a lot more productive with their time so yeah i think it'll definitely be beneficial in a very broad sense did you just say the reason we should replace soldiers <laughs> I mean, with robots is because those about soldiers it. Like, defense, can help productive members can of be society like, you know, contributing to the economy no i didn't say anything I, I have to go i have to go to a mandatory military anyway too so yeah i hope a robot replaces me by the time <laughs> so i don't oh, wait, to go me too. anyway I think the main argument against having lethal autonomous systems is like 
the culture surrounding war. Because in the past, a large driving force that causes governments to like withdraw forces or um, cease operations tends to be like domestic uh, opposition. So for example, US involvement in Vietnam largely driven by like local large movements um, because you know their friends are dying or people that they know are being put at risk. So the argument is when you replace human soldiers with uh, lethal autonomous robots, I guess, then maybe you're reducing the human cost in terms of actual fighting. But in the long term, people are less likely to oppose wars or to oppose like military action. I mean, in the long term, there's just more conflict. And the people on the other end of like your lethal autonomous robots are probably still going to die. So in the long term, you may arguably get yeah, more I human mean, cost. That, I, I think that kind of wraps it up for this episode. I guess we went on quite a few tangents from AI ethics to just technology in general, right? But yeah, at the end of the day, I think we all agreed that AI is kind of in its early uh, toddler phases. But I think it'll definitely be very, very, very prominent in the future. Like, especially you see it in like um, quant firms already. I don't, I can't see if it's working out for them, but anyway. And if you made it till the end, uh, thank you so, so very much once again. Uh, do follow us on Instagram at sociable underscore official. If you made it to the end, you probably are, but thank you. <laughs>